It's me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, here with episode 45 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. That's right. The podcast has now, in episodes, surpassed me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, in years. So, what was once... My child, which what was once younger than me, is now somehow my elder. Um, but that will change soon enough. Actually, you know, that will not change soon enough because I will turn 45 uh, in a couple months. But the podcast will continue to age at a rate that I will never really be able to catch up with in human years. So the podcast is now forever... My elder. Interesting. Strange times. Speaking of time, I uh, did something a little bit different time-wise in the daily sensational routine today. I've spoken about this on the show before, but um, my wife, Ms. S, and I, we pretty much try to walk for about an hour and or three miles, more or less in either category, uh, every day of the week. Um, sometimes more on the weekends we'll uh, go hiking and that can become a bit more extensive and I'm actually going to talk about that further into this episode. Um, but one way or another, it's pretty much a part of almost every day here in the sensational household that we will walk for an hour and or three miles. Um, and that is basically the core of... The Mr. Sensational Fitness Project. Um, there's talk on the network of the idea of getting swole. And right at the time that the pandemic started, I had started going to a gym. For not the first time ever, but the first time in recent personal history. And I had been clanging and banging. I had been using those uh, weight machines and then the pandemic started and gyms closed and that kind of abruptly came to an end and then the walking really uh, became a thing to fill that void and I have not yet uh, re-added the weights the clanging and banging and hanging and so forth back I, I don't know if there's enough in that room in that void for me for the walking and the weights I'm kind of happy with the walking I don't know we'll see how it goes there's always room to to improve that improve that strength uh, as I see robots is working on these days, and I'm certainly not opposed to that. I just, uh, I'm not a natural fitness guy. I do it because I have to, not really because I want to. I mean, I, I want to. I, the, when all's said and done, when I do force myself to do some kind of regular physical well being routine, I do ultimately end up enjoying it, ultimately end up enjoying just everything about life more, feeling better, feeling healthier. But I'm not someone that just lives for exercise. You know, I do, I do it again because I have to, and I do have to. It's like, you know, uh, the, the difference between an exercised Mr. Sensational 
versus an unexercised Mr. Sensational is night and day, particularly as age advances. I can't even imagine now at this advanced stage going without some form of daily exercise. But again, it's not something that I do because I'm particularly enamored with uh, fitness culture, workout culture. I don't really care about being emaciated. Um, I'm not going to cut down on eating or drinking the things I want to eat or drink. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, moderate them. I, I will enjoy moderation in moderation. Um, but again, yeah, I'm not, I'm not someone that, that thrives on, on the killjoy thing. And I, and I know some people are like that, but it's like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't uh, get pleasure out of subsisting off water and, I don't know, quinoa and hitting the gym for 10 hours a day in and of itself. I get pleasure out of the results of that. Not that I take it that far, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but in any case, what, what were we even talking about? Oh, time. Okay, so normally this um, walking routine, if it is indeed Ms. S and I doing it together, it takes place either at about 12.30 in the afternoon when she's able to get out of work for an hour and I'm done um, transporting children um, for that part of the day, or it takes place... Um, if it can't happen, then it takes place when she gets off work at about five. But if it's a day where she's going to have night meetings or have to work late, then, and if she has to work late, we can't do it at five. And if she wasn't able to do it at 1230 early in the day, then it's to each their own. We kind of find our own time to do our own thing. Um, and then if that's the case, I'm out wandering the streets, walking the earth at some point in the afternoon. Um, but point being the absolute most efficient time for the both of us to do it together and or separately really is early in the morning. You know, you knock that exercise out, whatever that exercise is, walking, running, weightlifting, calisthenics, yoga. Uh, what else do people do? Uh, what's that, uh, that Pilates thing, whatever the flip that is, uh, riding on your fancy, uh, stationary bike, riding on your unfancy, stationary bike, riding a bike, whatever it is you do. Um, if you can knock that out first thing in the morning, bro, you're golden for the rest of the day. You don't even have to worry about it again. It's over and you can go on with your day. And I understand that intellectually, but the issue is you have to actually get up and get going and do it first thing in the morning. And that's where Mr. Sensational has some issues. Now, as, as efficient a time and space that the morning can be. Because here's another thing. It's like 90 degrees here today, but this morning when we walked, it was like, um, you know, in the high 50s. So uh, it, it removes that obstacle of trying to do uh, exercise under the cruel midday sun. If you live in a place where it happens to be hot and sunny at the time of the year, you're attempting to exercise in. But um, as much as I understand all these efficiencies of the morning, I have been, for the majority of my life, a night owl. And that's something that I've had to work on, something that I, I've been having to change. And it's interesting because uh, there's kind of this cliche. I, I feel like it, this comes up in like movies a lot or TV shows. or People like to get hung up on this idea that people don't change. You know, Once someone is a certain way, they're that way for all eternity. And that can certainly be true, and it is very hard to change. But I find it interesting because I am at a point in my life where really for the first time in my 45 years, there's been certain things I have wanted to change or realized would be a good idea to change. But for the first time ever, I find myself actually attempting, attempting to change some of these things. And it's very interesting. It's not like this was a 
concerted effort, something I planned on. It's just something I suddenly find myself doing in middle age. And so the, this whole business of night owl, nightlife versus uh, the efficiency of morning hours, um, that's been a change I suddenly realized. It wasn't a change I was consciously working on, but that subconsciously and spontaneously has begun to happen to me. And I'm trying to actually effectuate that change and make it stick. Because here's the thing. So for more, most of my life, yeah, you asked me, hey, Mr. Sensational, I need you to be able to stay up till 4 a.m. tonight. Can you do it? I'd say, yeah, no problem. Hey, Mr. Sensational, we need you to wake up at 4 a.m. this morning. Can you do it? No can do, my friend. I don't know. It's like I can, I can stay up all night long. Isn't that a Ric Flair thing? All night long. Woo! Regardless of when I go to bed. But I, it's like, you know, trying to lift a sack of bricks to wake up regardless of when I went to bed the night before. I, if I went to, went to bed at 4 a.m. or if I went to bed at, at, at 7 p.m., either way, I'm going to have a heck of a time, heck of a time waking up the next day. And that's the other thing, too. If I go to bed at 4 a.m., I'll probably wake up at like 9 a.m., but if I go to sleep at 7 p.m., I'll still not be able to wake up till 9 a.m. It's like the, the extra sleep doesn't make the, the waking up any easier. But, you know, uh, as I've gotten older, as I've started doing the walking thing, as I'm wearing this, like, wrist fitness device that shows me all this heart information, it's kind of scary when you start to literally see, literally see with your own two eyes, the effects of not good at getting a good night's sleep. Um, you know... Heart rate changes, uh, heart rate recovery is much slower. It's, it's true what they say. You got to get those eight hours. Um, so it used to be I would have good intentions of getting sleep, but at least three or four nights of the week, I would just stay up till midnight or later and there'd just be a wreck the next day. And I've kind of come to a point where that's ended. I still stay up late on Fridays and Saturday nights, but the rest of the night in bed, reading some G.I. Joe comics at about 9 p.m., asleep by 10. But I've still been having a hard time waking up early, so that's the next That's the next leg, and I did manage to do it today. I woke up at around 6, and we were out doing our walk at 6.30 a.m., and I'm walking around downtown Napa with my water bottle um, and my Adidas shorts and, and walking shoes, and I'm walking around, and I see kind of some bleary-eyed tourists trying to get a jump on the morning, and I suddenly realize... For years, whenever I've been in like a big city like San Francisco or Seattle or Chicago or some other tourist locale, and, I, and I'm blearily eyed coming out to try to get my tourism on for the day, I, I see these annoying people that actually live there, either running or walking around getting their exercise on early in the morning. It's like, must be nice to just live in this place and be able to just wake up early and get your walk on and just kind of efficiently go about your day. Must be nice. Not something Not something us uh, sensational folk could ever hope to accomplish. And yet here I was accomplishing it. We built this city. We built this city. We built this city. We built this city. Man, you know, it's funny. Uh, talking about staying up all night reminded me one of the topics I wanted to hit was the topic of childhood overnighters, sleepovers, spending the night at your chum's house when you were a kid because my kids have been doing that lately and it's interesting to see what has changed and what has stayed the same, but I'm going to kick that can down the road to next time. 
because um, I've already overbooked myself for what I wanted to talk about today. It's like, you know, I don't want this show to be much longer than 30 minutes, and I usually run off at the mouth and end up going more like 35, edging towards 40, and that's a little too long. Want it to be 30, but man, it goes fast. Every week, every week, I go in here, I, I get in front of the mic, and I think, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, you have nothing to talk about. Maybe it's maybe the show's over. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Maybe it's time to close the door. And then I get to talking, and I barely even scratch the surface of what I wanted to talk about, and we've already gone too long. So we're getting there today. Uh, Overnighters, sleepovers, that's another story for another time. Um, I want to do a little bit of quick housekeeping. I want to um, check in on the topic of friend of the network, friend of the show. Um, I guess maybe he's more of a frenemy of the show. I mean, I I think of him as a friend at this point. He probably thinks of me as, as something maybe... Less than that, but check in, uh, get up to speed with an individual on Twitter that you all should give a follow. And this is our friend at Teen Wundle, Teen Idol himself, at Teen Numeral One D O L, Teen Wundle. And Teen Wundle is a fellow who I've talked about on the show before. I should probably give Teen Wundle a little bit of a bio. I know Teen Wundle entirely from Facebook. I cannot remember how we became connected, but it was back around 2009 when my high school punk rock band, The Invalids, had gotten back together to do some midlife crisis reunion shows. And because we bothered to put in the work and the time to do the reunion shows, we decided, hey, let's write some new music. So we wrote a new record that we released on CD that I I think is the best stuff we ever did. Could not get anyone to listen to it. Everyone just wanted to listen to the crappy stuff we did back in high school. Um, Played some shows for a while um, with the new lineup that recorded those new songs. And somewhere along the line, I met Teen Wundle, uh, Teen Idol, because he was someone that had known of the band from its earlier incarnation. Got to talking to him, became Facebook friends with him and his brother. Uh, and that's all hazy. I don't totally remember. I do remember that um, when the band got back together in its midlife crisis form, we went down and we spent a weekend and played a show in Los Angeles, booked by Teen Wundle's brother, Noe, and we also played a show in San Diego. And the one thing I took as a given, as a given, when it came to the Los Angeles show, as, is that... When we pulled up, the first person standing in front of the door waiting to pay $5 or however much money to get inside to see this dopey show would be none other than Teen Wundle. But instead, Teen Wundle's brother came out and informed me that Teen Wundle was not going to be there because Teen Wundle had to work. He had to work. And it's like, Teen Wundle, you knew about this for weeks. You couldn't have asked for the night off. But no, there was no Teen Wundle to be had. Um, Years later, I did meet Teen Wundle face-to-face. I went with uh, my friend Jerry, now owner of the Next Record Store in Santa Rosa, California. Um, We went down to Long Beach, California, which is down there near Los Angeles, to uh, see a weekend of New Japan Pro Wrestling shows. It It wasn't the first time New Japan Pro Wrestling had run the United States, but... In its current contemporary incarnation, it was the first big shows they ran here on American soil, and I was a big fan of New Japan at the time. Not as much now. They've kind of fallen off, but that's just the way it goes with wrestling promotions. You can only stay hot for so long. But at the time, they were blazing hot, riding high on a, on a wave of a good run as a wrestling company. 
Went down to those shows, and Teen Wundle did, in fact, make an appearance for those shows, and I got to meet him very briefly. I think he got there late and left early. Typical Teen Wundle move. Um, there was some get-together, like an overcrowded bre- brewery or something after the first show, and I think he came by and looked nervously around and said hi and then left. Uh, happy trails, Teen Wundle. I don't know if I'll ever see him again. I've driven, I've been near his house before, or at least near where he lives on the way back from Disneyland. I usually will, will stop somewhere near his house to like get a coffee from a McDonald's drive through before driving the long trek home. And I'll, I'll take a picture and tag him in it, showing him that I'm out there somewhere near him. But, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll see teen Wendell in real life at some point. Um, but I just want to do a quick check in with teen Wendell and, um, teen Wendell. I don't, I, I'm very bad at checking Twitter, but I noticed now that teen Wendell had made a tweet in the wake of the last couple episodes, both of this show, the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, and the brand new world's famous IC Robots radio show, which is now the flagship show of the IC Robots radio network, immediately stop what you're doing, go seek out the world's famous IC Robots show. There are now two episodes in the books. Uh, number two just dropped this week. Um, that sounds a little iffy, but uh, <laughs> the second episode of the podcast, uh, was published this week. Let's put it that way. Uh, we'll talk about that in one moment. But uh, so Teen Wundle, uh, there was talk about baseball caps on both episodes of uh, both my show and Ice Robot's show. And Teen Idol five days ago tweets, I also purchased a new baseball cap last month. It's not an LA design, parentheses, the reigning champions, and parentheses, and I'll most likely get further trolled by Mr. Sensational Gino Vega when he sees it, but I dig it. I wonder if there's a Satoshi Warriors cap out in the wild, though. Satoshi Warriors being a fictional baseball team from uh, one of the Yakuza video games, which we'll talk about at some other later date. But, uh, Teen Wendell, you didn't tell us what the cap was. You say it's not an L.A. cap? So, are you saying it's a Dodgers hat, but without the traditional L.A. design? Um, you'll get nothing but love from me if you get a Dodgers hat, because if there's one thing... Um, how, how should I put this? My hatred for the San Francisco Giants makes me love the Los Angeles Dodgers, despite the fact that they once knocked the Oakland Athletics out of a World Series berth. But uh, in any case, you'll get no trolling from me. You'll get nothing but love from me for buying a Dodgers hat, especially anyone. I mean, you're not up here in Northern California. You're down in L.A. where they're normal. Any individual who wears a Los Angeles Dodgers hat up here in Northern California, the home of the Giants, where they all still believe there's some meaningful feud between the two teams, which there really hasn't been for years, um, except in the mind of Giants fans, I guess. I don't know, do do LA people care? I don't feel like they care as much. I feel like it's more of a weird San Francisco thing. But anyway, um, anyone who who wears that stuff up here gets big props, big apps for for having some uh, muy cajones. Um, I I probably said that wrong. (laughs) Anyway... What did you get, Teen Wendell? Let me know, and we'll see my reaction. We built this city. We built this city. We built this city. We built this city. All right, closing it up here on episode 45 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. Two things. First, we're going to talk a little world's famous IC robot show. Second, we're going to talk hiking. Um, just want to say once again, really quick, um, please, please, please stop what you're doing. Stop listening to this dopey show. Uh, go to Spotify, Apple, whatever podcasts, uh, Google play, wherever podcasts are procured, 
look up IC Robots Radio Network, subscribe to the feed. You will get access to all the mind-bending content that comes down the pike here at the IC Robots Radio Network, including the still brand new world's famous IC Robots show, the new incarnation of our flagship show. We are on the second episode, or I should say IC Robots is on the second episode of this, this wonderful voyage that we are all on together. Uh, this last episode just builds on what came the week before, where he has taken an approach to the show where he is bringing some of the old IC Robots mythology back from out of the depths of the pandemic where we left it and melding it with some of the new gimmicks, bells and whistles that uh, came into being during the pandemic to create the world's famous IC Robots show, The Champion Sound. Do yourself a favor, uh, or if you want, go over, I mean, if you haven't already, go follow IC Robots at, at IC Robots on Twitter. You can find the links to the individual shows there. But check it out. Please do. Tell a friend. Retweet. Like, etc. Whatever. Get some folks that are, aren't aware of what we're doing aware. Try to get them to listen. They probably won't stick around for the Mr. Sensational Gina Vega show, but if they hear the world's famous IC Robot show, they may. They may. In fact, they will. I dare say they will. Um, I want to throw my hat in the ring really quick. Um, IC Robots had some Masters of the Universe talk on his most recent pod, episode two of the world's famous IC Robots show, and it caused some uh, talk on Twitter, on his Twitter feed, um, about what people's reaction to this trailer for the upcoming Kevin Smith Masters of the Universe Netflix animated series was. And I'll just give mine really quick here. I was a huge, a huge fan of Masters of the Universe when I was a child. The, um, my, the first time that I came across Masters of the Universe toys in the wild, they were at um, a uh, toy store, Tom's Toys in San Luis Obispo, California. It's still there to this day. But uh, I saw He-Man, Beast-Man, Skeletor, Merman on a shelf, and uh, I just thought nothing would ever be the same again. These, these just grave, stern, vicious-looking entities out of a dark fantasy world, low sci-fi, dark fantasy world, was everything. It, it, was, it was Mr. Sensational Gino Vegan to a T. It was, it was what I could see in my mind but couldn't quite visualize here it was in front of me in plastic action figure form. Um, and one of the first birthdays, it wasn't one of the first, but at first, one of the first few birthdays where I was really cognizant of the fact that, oh, adults give you toys a couple times a year, your birthday and Christmas or whatever your tradition may be. So I was cognizant of the fact that there were these special days where I would get toys. And that year, I think it was like my fourth birthday. It was either my fourth or my fifth birthday. I was just showered with Masters of the Universe toys um, because I had pitched a fit because I wanted to get just one and my parents wouldn't let me at that day in Tom's Toys, but it's because it was near my birthday and they realized they were just going to tell everyone and their mother, literally, like my grandma, because um, she's my mom's mother, got it, um, to buy me Masters of the Universe stuff. So they wouldn't buy me it then and there. I, I had like a total conniption fit. But then on my birthday, I just got nothing but Masters of the Universe toys. So I was a huge fan. Um, one of the little mini comics that came with, um, I forget which character it was. Uh, I'll have to look another time when I have more time. But um, one of the mini comics that came with one of those toys was one of the first things I ever read on my own. Um, I, and I remember I didn't understand all the words. There was, a, there was a point in time where Skeletor was saying something about how He-Man was inside the castle laughing at you, inside Castle Grayskull laughing at you. But I, didn't, I didn't, couldn't read the word laughing, and I thought that was the name of the castle. I thought, he's inside the castle 
unident- unintelligible name at you. So you get it? I thought it was called Castle Laughing, even though I didn't know. It said laughing. I thought it was Castle, some pile of words I can decipher. I don't know if that made any sense. Anyway, but, but on the flip side, when the Masters of the Universe animated series, the original one first dropped, I was more excited than I've possibly been excited for anything in my life. And I was so sorely disappointed because if you know anything about Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, you know I'm a no fun guy. I don't like ha-ha fun times, good times, laughs, um, slapstick spills in my sci-fi or fantasy. I- I'm a gritty, edgy, uh, blood and guts guy, Dottie. Uh, a rebel, I guess. I don't know. I don't It's just, I got nothing against comedy. I've got nothing against laughs. I don't, I've got nothing against some laughs, even in otherwise serious things. But when the whole thing is just, is just like kind of making a parody of the theme. It's like, ha ha, look how stupid He-Man is. Ha ha ha. Oh, there's a, someone called Orko. That's dumb. Ha 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 I can't get behind that. And I couldn't even get behind that when I was a little kid. I was like, I came here to watch some heads get chopped off with swords, to see some black magic, you know, incinerate someone. And all I'm seeing is this, everyone sitting around laughing with their shoulders moving. Remember they would do, ha 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 ha. So I didn't really like that cartoon even when I was a kid. It was my first major disappointment of that ilk. And I know I'm probably in the minority because people do seem to love the ha ha funny business, but it's just not me, man. It's not Mr. Sensational. Um, so I don't know. I'll check out the, I'll check out the cartoon. I liked the trailer. I thought the trailer was cool. I thought the inclusion of the, the, the we need a hero and he's gotta be strong and he's gotta be, he's gotta be larger than life. That's, that's like a good, like wrestling intro song. So I've always had a soft spot for that song. And I thought, so I've seen some people thinking that was like campy, but it's like, dude, that cartoon was a joke. So that, I thought that song actually made it seem like legit, made it seem like more hardcore. So I, I don't know. I'll check it out. We'll see. I'm not a Kevin Smith fan either, but, uh, Nothing against guy, just it's not really my thing. Um, so we shall see, but we will check it out. Um, that's that's where I'm at with that. Just want to throw that out there. Now, final topic of the day as we move along here. Um, we started this episode off talking about walking. We are going to end it talking about hiking. So a few weeks ago, a former coworker and a still friend of my wife, Ms. Sensational, came to visit us here in Napa. He came on, it was a Sunday morning, uh, and he suggested he would come up here and meet us and we could go for a hike. And now part of that weekly walking regimen that I started this episode off with um, does sometimes include hiking. Oftentimes on Saturday and or Sunday, we will we'll hike, you know, in a county park or whatever, or state park, as opposed to walking in neighborhoods or city areas. Uh, But we've gotten kind of lazy about it. Um, And so this hike, uh, which was at a place called, I believe it's like Bothe State Park, B-O-T-H-E, like with an accento over the E. Um, This hike really kind of reinvigorated it for us. It was like this great hike, you know, it's pretty rigorous. It was a lot of up steep uphill. Um, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but we definitely hiked for like over an hour. All said and done. And then we're just all grimy and dusty and got in Eric's car, our friend that was visiting, and drove back to downtown Napa and went out to lunch at this burger place called Gott's and had, had a cold one. It was just like a perfect, excuse me, a perfect Sunday afternoon. And those, for me, are few and far uh, between because um, 
as I've felt since I was a child, and I've talked to some other people about this before. I've talked to a, a fellow who has listened to this show in the past. I don't know that he's still listening, Dan Z. But um, we once bonded about this, about how fundamentally depressing Sundays are. Because as a kid, you're sitting there on a Sunday, and maybe you're watching something on TV, and all of a sudden realization sets in that this weekend has been all fun and games, but uh, everything's back to hell tomorrow when school starts on Monday. And this was one of those Sundays where I, I feel like that almost every Sunday, and I really should look on the, on the positive side of life, be in the moment, etc., etc. But just the way I am, it's just the way I feel. Um, but when you have just a really good, fulfilling Sunday where you kind of forget about everything, it kind of knocks that depression out, and then you're too busy, and you had too much of a good time to even worry about Monday, and then Monday just comes and you deal with it. Um, but the point of this is, I am reminded once again of my love for hiking, and I want to make it more of a part of the life sensational. I want to recommit to hiking, and I want to tell you people that I'm recommitting to it. Uh, here and now on the show, the tens of ones, letting you know that that's how I feel. Um, what is it about hiking that's different than walking? Um, it's a combination of things, I feel. One thing that I would love to do, and this goes back to what I was talking about at the start of the show, about changing habits and changing um, how I do things at different times, um, this guy, Eric, that came to visit us, he often goes hiking in the morning. Like, he'll go really in the, early in the morning out somewhere and go for his hike. And I, I need to start doing that because that just seems like the best of all worlds. You're, you've, you're efficiently getting your morning going, but you're also out in the wonderful wilds of the world, wandering the earth, as icy robots would say. And that's part of what's so great about hiking because when we hike, we tend to do it at least as a pair, if not with a group. And... It's this amazing activity where you feel that you are both part of this group because there's often kind of a flowing conversation going on and you can be talking with someone, but then you're also on your own wandering the earth because you can kind of like step back from the group at times or step ahead from the group and kind of like detach from the conversation and be in your own headspace, then reattach. And it's a very like organic in and out of both being social and solitude at the same time. One of the aspects of hiking with a group that I enjoy. But for me, hiking too, it's interesting because it is um, very much of the outdoors. And I'm most certainly not an outdoors person. I'm that person where, uh, you know, uh, someone else is, uh, is waxing poetic about the greatness of the outdoors and no screens and blah, blah, blah. I'm glazing over and thinking about my OCD list of wrestling matches I need to get through and like different anime I still need to watch and blah, blah. I, you know, I, I would rather be engaging with creative medium inside a structure than out under the stars. Or so I think, but then when I go hiking, you know, I get very into it. But interestingly for me, but I guess maybe it's because I'm so wired toward being in a dwelling, consuming creative media, that um, the sounds and smells and sights of the outdoor actually trigger memories and feelings in me related to creative media that I've consumed indoors. And it makes me want to consume it all the more. So it's a symbiotic thing that being in the outdoors makes me appreciate the indoors. Being in the indoors, eventually you have to go outdoors so that you don't perish indoors, I guess. <laughs> so it's, it's this Ouroboros, you know, the snake eating itself, circle of Gino Vegan life. And uh, so some of the ways in which the outdoors sparks memories of the indoors for me I'll, I'll give you a couple key moments that, that, to this day, when I go on a hike, these feelings are still somewhere deep inside of me. It's, it's strange how things imprint so um, intrinsically when you're young. But I remember um, 
the year that the film Return of the Jedi came out. I feel like it had to have come out kind of in the summertime. Because, yeah, it would have been a summer blockbuster, right? But I remember that summer began, and I knew that that movie was coming out. And while I'm not a Star Wars fan at the time, no hate for Star Wars. It just it doesn't do anything for me personally. So when I say I'm, I, I'm not a fan, I don't mean that I'm like, I have some axe to grind against it. I just don't actively pursue it or consume it. It, for the most part. Um, but at, the, at that age, at that time, whatever year Jedi was, I most certainly did. And I, I was so pumped for Return of the Jedi. It's funny. I feel like of those original three movies, Jedi is the one that gets criticized the most. But for me, it's the one I hold dearest to my heart. Just because it was the one that I was the most coherent and cognizant for when it came out. You know, I was old enough to know what was going on. I'd seen the other ones. It's the one I was able to fully anticipate. Um, I did have some massive disappointments, which I may have mentioned on the show before. Like, for instance, I got... Via proofs of purchase, when you would send in the various Kenner proofs of purchase, I got an Admiral Akbar figure, and it was touted as, wait till you see the role this guy plays in the upcoming film, and then he's in the movie for like two seconds. But that's that's the story of the Star Wars action figures. They made all these amazing, wondrous action figures um, whose roles they played in your own imagination were probably far greater than anything they ever accomplished on the actual screen of canon Star Wars films. But anyway... That movie was coming out, so I always associate that movie, or rather, now to this day, years later, decades later, I associate feelings of sunshine, summer, heat, with this like excitement that something's coming, something's coming, and suddenly I see the image of a of an indoor speeder coming towards me, and, and uh, the um, was it was it Luke and Leia that were on the speeder bikes, or was it Han Leia? I don't know. I'm not a Star Wars guy, but you know how they were wearing those kind of like forest sashes. You know, those helmets on those speeder bikes. I, I can just picture them in my mind's eye. And then I picture the uh, indoor stylized biker stormtrooper, which I, I had one of those guys. He was actually one of the main stormtrooper figures that I used. But in, in any case, this this uh, summertime already in and of itself brings this Endorian feel to, my, to, to me that just warms my heart and, and fills me with the feeling of promise, anticipation, excitement. And when I go out hiking all the more, because you here in Northern California, when we go hiking, it tends to be oftentimes in a sort of redwoody, Endor-esque environment. And it all comes full circle. And I'm both simultaneously right back there on the brick patio in the backyard of our home in Atascadero, California, back in 1980-whatever, uh, anticipating the upcoming Star Wars Return of the Jedi film. Yet here in 2021, or whatever the year may be, standing in some forest somewhere, just overcome, manically overcome with the feeling of possibility and anticipation for what comes next. Um, similarly, uh, one year um, when I was a teen or tween, I guess I was a teen, I was probably like 14. Uh, so like right before I met Ms. S actually. But uh, my parents or my mom forced me to do this gimmick. There's a... Uh, in the city of Santa Rosa, California, there's a local parks and rec summer camp, day camp thing called Camp Watom, which you, Monday through Thursday, you spend the day out in this park called uh, Howarth Park, which is adjacent to uh, Spring Lake, which is a county regional park. I think Howarth Park is like a city park. Anyway, um, Monday through Friday, you're out there at this campsite, campground, and then Thursday night, you spend the night out under the stars in a sleeping bag, um, and then you go home. But I had gone there as a camper for several years in a row. But then when I was 14, my mom made me do a stint there as a CIT, a counselor in training. I did not enjoy being a CIT. I did not enjoy being a counselor in training. That's not my jam. That's not my lane. I was not particularly good at it. I felt very awkward. I didn't fit in. 
Um, everyone else, they're new each other because they're all from establishment Santa Rosa families because like the Camp Watam, particularly the counseling scene seems to be seems to be big with the establishment. Shout out to my man, BK Broiler. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, it wasn't not my jam. And I had recently begun using our family's Epson computers 2400 baud modem to call local bulletin board systems, which as we have talked about on the show before, were the pre-internet version of the internet where people, for lack of a better explanation, plugged personal computers into a phone line. You could call their computers and there were message boards on there and you could talk with each other, but it was like more local net. It was like a local thing. You were calling other people's computers in your own area code and then you could uh, meet in person, meet in real life. Hey, that's how Ms. S and I met as the old tired story goes. Anyway, um, so I spent most of my time as a CIT most of the week doing it or two weeks, whatever it was, hating it. Oh, gosh, it was 1989 because I think uh, the the horrific 89 Batman movie came out. That was one of the things I was anticipating doing once I was done with the CIT nonsense was to go see this Batman movie, which I wasn't all cracked up to be. Although some, some friends of the network, some friends of the network may hold it in higher esteem than it should truly be held. Just kidding, it's fine. And it, and it just needed to, to, to tweak a certain e-nerd out there if, if he's listening. But anyway, um, I, I was just jonesing the entire time I was at the CIT thing that I just wanted to go back home, wanted to sit in front of the computer, wanted to hear... As I signed into a bulletin board system. And when I did, it was the most exciting, enthralling, heart-racing instance of logging onto a bulletin board system that I'd ever felt because I'd been denied. Though this was in particular after the overnighter because I was, I was, I was denied for like 24 hours of, of being online. Then when I finally got back online, it was an amazing feel, but it was a feel that I experienced having just come back from roughing it. So I still had all this like redwood dander all over me and dirt and grime and just that sort of grimy feeling that you get even if you just go out hiking for like an hour um, and that, so again, it's one of these memories when I'm out there hiking and I'm out there feeling this grime. I was like, I'm like, this may feel grimy now. This incline may be a struggle, but think about how you you'll feel when you're back home doing whatever it else, it, else it is you'd rather be doing knowing you've gone through this hardship. And that's how I felt with this uh, hike a couple weeks ago with our friend, Eric, when we went to uh, Gotts and I was sitting out there on the patio in downtown Napa, enjoying a cold one, enjoying a Pliny about to uh, eat a Korean burger um, and just just enjoying the feeling of the redwood dander and the filth and the grime all over me. So let's hear it for hiking. Let's hear it for lifestyle changes. Let's hear it for lifestyle improvements. Go out there and work on whatever changes you've been meaning to do. It, it's been it's been it's not easy going, but it's been uh, uh, satisfying going to me trying to trying to work out my sleep schedule and uh, work in some more hiking, work in some more efficient walking, may even hit those weights again one of these days. We'll see how it goes. But for now, it's me, it's me, it's Gino V, signing off from episode 45, and I'm not supposed to say signing off till the very end, so I totally blew the uh, uh, sign out here. Hey, that's the way it goes. We'll talk to you next time on the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. (laughs) 